I want to do some teaching today, if that's okay. Last week, we talked about the principle, or we learned about principles. We said that the term principle comes from the Latin word that means the beginning place. The beginning place. And um, we also talked about um, a principle meaning that from which something else is initiated. So a principle is a law. We said it's a law. It's a, it's a consistent, systematic rule of order that governs all of nature. It's inclusive to all of life. A law is a consistent, systematic rule of order. When we talk about laws, we talk about spiritual laws. We talk about laws of nature. They happen the same way every time. If you ever get lost and you, or you want to know where you are, where the east or the west is, just look for the sun. Because um, it is a law of nature that the sun rises in the and sets in the, that's unchangeable. That's called a constant. And when things are constant, you can set your clock to them. You can actually live your life by constants. The problem is many of us are living our lives by variables and ignoring constants. A variable is something that's subject to change. It depends on how things are or how you feel. Emotions are variables. How you feel is not a constant. Even in some cases, how you think is not a constant. Um, it, when your money is connected or, it, or your resources or your relationships or, or your spiritual life, or if they're connected to variables, it means that you will always find yourself somewhere where you don't want to be. If you study people who are successful in life, you'll see that they live by certain principles. They can actually regurgitate to you what they did to get where they are. And there was a strange phenomenon I saw on television where they took a, a, a billionaire and they put him in a position. They took all his money and they gave him, I think, 30 to 60 days. How many of you saw that? To make the money back. And he was able to start a company and make millions of dollars within 30 to 60 days because of the principles that he knows. For many of us, if we ever fail or lose a job, we lose everything because there are no principles governing our lives. So we treat the income source as God. Let me put it a different way. God is the source. He gives you a resource. And because you don't understand systems and principles and order, what you do is when, when the resource begins to pay you, then you make the resource the source and you forget the true source. You got the job because you asked for it. You asked Yahweh for it and he gave it to you, right? But then now when after the job begins to take care of you, the check becomes regular and constant, you forget that you only got that because you asked Yahweh for it. Right? So people in the world will do anything for money. People that don't know the Lord will do anything for money because they believe that money, they believe that money is the answer to everything. And if that's the if that's the case, then why are millionaires committing suicide? I heard one one celebrity said, I wish everyone could be rich so that when they get to the top of the mountain, they could realize there's nothing there. Money's a resource. Is given to us for assignment. If you don't honor purpose, you don't need money. So in church, we're going to go through scripture. So back to my, my outline. So a principle is a law. So you're, if you live a principled life, that means there's certain things that you do. Relationships that you choose are not based on how you feel. They're based on principle. You got it? My life has to be principle-driven. 
in order to be purpose-driven. If it's not principle-driven, then I can be, listen to this, deceived or seduced into behavior and actions and choices that won't serve me. Right? So, so we talked about last week about our scriptural principles. We said a scriptural, scriptural principle is a timeless, unchangeable truth that operates in the earth whether we acknowledge it or not. I want to say that again. A, a, a scriptural principle is a timeless, unchangeable truth that operates in the earth regardless of culture, regardless of economics, regardless of, of what country we live in. These truths are unchangeable and they operate in the earth. Listen to this, whether we acknowledge them or not. So principles are working for against me for or against me based on how I respond to them, acknowledge them, or value them. Principles. Everybody say principles. principles. We said on last week again that uh, uh, four things. Number one, principles show us cause and effect. If you understood principles, then you'd understand why that happened. You, if you, you could trace the effect back to the cause every single time. Okay? Some of us who have, who've, if you've ever been through failure in your life, if you've ever been through failure, if you've ever had a setback, and you pay attention or review what happened to you, you can trace it back to a certain event. Sometimes it can be traced back to a two-legged affliction. What's a two-legged affliction? Meeting the wrong person. Right? So, so, who just hollered at me? <laughs> oh, Lord, it's about to get interesting. <laughs> so, listen. So, <laughs> So, so watch this. So, so if you trace the, the effect, you can always find the cause. And for most people, you'll see a pattern of your life where it always, the enemy always introduces failure into your life through a cause. One unresolved situation. So can I speak to this for a minute? So I, I did that to you. Lord, I just terrorized this child. So, so it, the way it works is if I have an unresolved trauma unresolved issue, rejection, grief, or what have you in my life, and I don't settle it, then the enemy knows that through principle, through the way principles work, he can always attack me at that point. Regardless of what God gives to me, the enemy understands that if I don't solve that situation, if I don't close that door, if I still have that need in my life, if I still see myself that way, he can always come through this angle to get that result. Because principles speak to cause and effect. They say that out loud. I say principles speak to cause and effect. They do. Number two, we say principles give us God's eternal perspective on everything. God does nothing without principles. Everything that God does have a law. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul made a statement. He said, but I see another law at work. Here's what he said. In my members, worry against, and he mentions the law of my mind. So, so everything, every part of you is designed according to law and principles. What is the law of the mind? The law of your mind is reason. Think about it. The, the function of your mind is to reason, right? To reason things out. That's what your mind, so the law of my, here's what Paul is saying. Paul said, I see another member working within me. I want to do good. 
Eva's present, right? But here's what he said. He said, now I find out that although my mind reasons and says that's the wrong thing to do, my flesh is so strong that it overrides the reason of my mind. One law works against another. One principle is defeating another. Notice it, the entirety of the whole thing is about principles. If you don't understand principles and how they work, you will find yourself in situations and don't know how you got there. Anybody hearing the Lord already? The third our point we mentioned about principles is that principles show us how things work. If you want to know how something works, don't just look at what it does, figure out the principle. When you, if you're in school, if you're watching YouTube videos, if you're listening to me, figure out how it works. Once you figure the principle of the thing, then it, it will not be foreign to you. You understand, when you see it the next time you go, I, I know the principle of this. So when I went to school, or, or I was in, in college, um, my, my major is theology, but my minor is music. Most of my friends took performance. I took theory. Because I wanted to write songs. And so one of the first things they had us to do was to dissect songs to see what made them work. Right? So there's a principle to songwriting that if you get in a room with a certain group of songwriters and they understand the principles of songwriting, they will write a hit every single time because hit songs are written by principle. It's called theory, right? The Bible, is, some of it is even mentioned in scripture. Make melody in your heart unto the Lord. If the song has no melody, it could have a great beat. But melody is what they call the, the hook. The rhythm is fine, but you, know, you see how this works? So, so in everything, principles govern everything with God. It sh they show us how things work. Number four, principles explain the interaction between man's decisions and God's power. Principle explains the, the, the relationship between man's decision. We make decisions and God can release power. There are certain decisions we make that limit the hand of God. When I choose not to believe, God can't move. Everything can be established and set up and ready, but if I choose not to believe, if I choose not to move, if I choose not to act, if I choose not to speak up, then God cannot move. He wants to, but he cannot. Principles teach us that God needs faith in order to move in our lives. That's the review from last week. So I want to show you the point of this principle. In Romans chapter 11, I gave you the scripture, Romans chapter 11 and verse 16. And it says, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So I want to talk to that. The Bible talks about, I'm going to get, boy, you all are on it today. <laughs> if the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. Now, this, everybody say principle. So here's how it works. The reason that God is so obsessed with first things is because God says, as the, as the first goes, so goes the rest. As the first goes, so goes the rest, right? So think about this. Your first experience with a thing would tell you uh, whether or not you can trust it. So right now, many of us, our first experience with money was not good. And so now, watch us now, we either disrespect it, we fear it, we, we, de we deify it, and we make it a God, or we have some poor or, or deceptive relationship with money. And because of that, money either avoids us, literally, money, money see you coming, it goes the other way. Money doesn't trust you. Because you don't know how to treat it. When you get it, you don't organize it. 
And when it comes to the things of God, watch this now, I want to show you something. You don't even understand how it's supposed to work. So I'm, I'm going to give you an example. So in your possession, you have a $1 bill, a $5 bill, a $10 bill, a $20 bill, a $50 bill, and a $100 bill. You come to church to worship, and a part of the worship is giving. As a matter of fact, in the scripture, when you study the history of the offering, the Lord says, no one should come before me empty. He said, if I've given you anything, you bring something back to me. That's the, that's the history of the offering. Now, get this. If you, now, let's, let's be honest. We're in church, and this is a teaching moment. If, we, if you have a one, a ten, a, a one, a five, a ten, a twenty, a fifty, and a one hundred dollar bill, and you love the Lord, and, some, and, and, and we, we get to the giving moment, and you have things to do in the upcoming week, how many of you be honest with me? Don't try to impress. Tell the truth. We need truth, okay? How many of you will, will gravitate to the middle of, the, of the, the, the stack? You may give the 50 or the 20. How many of you will lean towards the 20? How many of you will, will probably take the 1, the 5, and the 10 and put them together and give God that? <laughs> if you have a pressing need coming up that week, you have a pressing need. Now, I'm not just saying you've been stingy. I'm saying you have things you got to do, right? And you come to church. How many of you will say, well, you know what, I, 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 may, I may take the 20, the 10, and the 5. I may keep the 1 just in case I need to give a tip or something. But I give, I give God, a, and you feel pretty good about giving God maybe the 20, the 10, and the 5. Put your hand up real quick. That, that seems fair, right? How many of you will say, you know what, I'm going to give God the 50. I'm just going to splurge and give God the 50. How many of you would do that? How many will say, you know what, I don't care what's due. I'm going to give God a $100 bill. Now, you see... How many of you will not respond to anything I say? Because here's my question: We gonna participate, okay? You, we gonna, it's there, there's a participation trophy to be had. Listen to me. You don't get out of this because if you don't answer these questions in this setting in the presence of God, watch this. It says God is challenging us, saying that I'm I'm gonna make six figures this year. Saying it is one thing. I'm gonna make seven. It's saying it is one thing. But God has to change the way you relate to money. Because it does not begin with money. It begins with the principle that governs the way you reason about money. So again, if you have a pressing situation coming up by Thursday of this week, it's Sunday. You come to church. You have in your possession a 1, a 5, a 10, a 20, a 50, and a $100 bill. How many people will have the presence of mind to go, you know what? I need, to, I need to give God this $100 bill. How many of you think that's crazy? Put your hand up. Get, be honest with me. It's craziness. Okay, good. Let's speak to that. The point, <laughs> the point of the principle of first fruit, everybody listen to this carefully. First fruit is not a seed. As a matter of fact, when you study first fruit in scripture, it's actually more talking about harvest than seed. It's not what you do with the seed that's considered first fruit. So it's not about sowing. First fruit is about what you do with your first harvest. Everybody say first harvest. Shout, shout out, say first harvest. So what, you, so what we think is you sow and you reap and that's God's plan of increase and it is. But in God's mind, God wants to see what you're going to do with the first thing that comes out the ground. And so when you study scripture, someone asked yesterday in one of the meetings, well, how often do you get first, first fruits? According to scripture, God says three times a year you will appear before me. That's Old Testament. 
That's not for us. He said, three times a year, Israel will, or, or the men of Israel will appear before me. Three times a year. Two out of those three times, you're going to bring first fruit. First is going to be the barley harvest. Then lastly, it's going to be the wheat harvest. But you're going to bring me the first fruit, right? And what God is doing, he's saying, when it comes out the ground, the first harvest you get, here's what I want you to do. Harvest the whole thing. Lay it out before you. God says, here's what I want you to do. Go through and pick out the best of the first and set it aside. Why? Why, why is critical? He says, set it aside, bundle it up, get the rest, bundle that up, and bring the best to me. Why? He said, put the scripture back up. I want to show him something. Put it back up. I want to show him something. He says, because, here's the principle. Because if the dough, now this is referring to bread. But remember, it's a principle. It's not talking about bread or money or, or wheat or whatever. It's a principle. So if the blank offered as first fruit is holy, set aside, if you make it different, that's what the word holy means, different. If you, if you take it and say, this is different, this is separate. This is what I choose. If, if you name it holy, if it's God says, I can't name it holy, you have to do it. In the tithe, there's a difference. In the tithe, God said, the, the tenth is mine. I don't care what the tenth is like. The tenth thing belongs to me. And there's a curse on that. That's the law of Karim. It's on that thing. I'm not, there's no curse under the new covenant for us, okay? You tithe or you want, you don't want to tithe between you and God. But you don't get the benefit for tithing if you don't, okay? That's just a sidebar. But God says that the first fruit is that you have to say, I take the best and I'm going to take this and call it first fruit and call it holy. God says, when you bring it to me, he says, if the, if the blank offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. So is the whole lump. He said, if the root is holy, if you name that the root, he said, then the branches will be holy too. What you are doing, watch this now, to our question, if you have a one, a five, a 10, a 20, a 50, and a 100, he says, you have now the, the opportunity to, to name the, 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 the denomination or the, or the kind of Harvest, or not harvest, that's, I'm looking for a word. Help me. The, 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 the kind of return, not return, that's a bad word. Um, let me, I'm trying to find a word. The, the kind of, ah, the trend you're going to set. So the question does not become, what can I afford to give? The question is, what do I want the rest to look like? So, so let me tell you something. So, so, so years ago, everybody said a long time ago. I was pastoring a church, and I st we started a church. I had a, a bent frame forerunner. I bought this, this SUV from a salvage yard. It had a salvage title. The frame was bent. When you let the steering wheel go, it went to the left. It was trained to go to the left. Someone had hit it on the side. They didn't fix it well. It was going to the left. I bought it at a good price, right? And when we were starting the church, we carry equipment, we set up with this thing, and I drove that thing until it was just, and the board of the church said, you know what, Pastor needs a car. I used to joke and say, now nah, I'm broke as ever, and you could see it in my cheap suits that curl up in the back. I was just, I, was, I loved the Lord, but I was poor. And the board got together and said, we need to buy Pastor. He always talks about a Lexus. Let's buy him one. Now the board is better off than I am, but they broke two, okay? <laughs> 
And so they get together, they put, they put money together, and they search for a car. They find a garaged Lexus, a silver Lexus, that a doctor owned in, in Birmingham, in Birmingham. And it was garaged, and it had a few miles on it. He died, and the wife says, I don't want the car, she's going to sell it. The board found, they prayed, they found a car. They purchased the car for $10,000, nice car. I drove that car. Listen, they gave me the car. They said the Lord told them to do it. I drove the car, and I was surprised that people were looking at me crazy because I was driving a used Lexus. It was the best car I ever drived, or driven, I should say. Check this out. I get to a certain point, and I said, you know what? I, need, I want another Lexus. I like this one, but you know, it's a little big for me. That, oh, that body style is a little big, you know? So there was an, another body style that came out, the 430. I wanted that one. The board said, you know what? Now, now we got to a place where I got a raise. I'm doing a little better for myself. And the board says, you know what? We still want to buy you your second Lexus. They paid cash. They sent me here to Atlanta. I, I paid cash for that Lexus, and I'm driving back in this car. Now I'm feeling myself. About two years into owning this car, the Lord, I had a, a brother serving with me. The Lord says, give him this car. Now, you have to understand <laughs> that if the Lord had said to sell him the car at a, at a reduced price, I would have been good. So far, I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest? I'm trying to help you. When the Lord told me to give him the car, the first thing I did was I started to size this brother up. Is he worthy of my car? You know how you start? I started to say, he, he doesn't need my car. He has a nice car. He has, it wasn't a Lexus, but... And the Lord kept saying, give him this car. And the Lord reminded me, it's not the first car I had you to give away. And I remember someone had given me a car, and I met a family that needed the car, so I gave them the car. And the Lord pointed me back at principle. He pointed back, he, 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 said, I, he said, when I gave you that car, I could trust you to give it away because it didn't have a name you honored on it. And the Lord showed me it was the fact that you were willing to give away that car that made me move on the heart of the board members. They were, they were seated in different parts of the church when I spoke to all of them and said, buy him a car. The Lord said, it was me. Give him the car. I called him. I said, hey, Sean, we think about this car. He said, man, of God, this car. I was like, he drove me everywhere I went. I said, I want you to have this. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, no, I can't just take your car. I mean, I, I said, the Lord told me to give you the car. So he said, you, you got to charge me something. So I charged him a dollar. After doing that, I lost track of my finances. I don't understand how it happened. It didn't happen suddenly. It happened gradually. But all of a sudden, my financial mind woke up business-wise. My acumen just, it, went, it didn't start with money. I noticed that, that business things became easier for me. My, my business acumen began to increase. I, was, I would be in deals and negotiation came natural. When, I, when it came to study, all of a sudden God was doing something. Because I gave a car away, God started to do something with my mind concerning money. The problem with you is you're sowing money and looking for money as if money is not the lowest form of prosperity. Because it is. Stay with me, stay with me. But the first thing God started to do was change the way I saw money. Now, watch this. The problem with most of us in the principle of first fruit, 
to, our, to our, our, our analogy again, is that we have these different denominations of, of money in our pocket, and when God, when it comes to God, the first thing we do, we tip God, or we appease God, right? Because God does not give you an itemized list of what you got from him with a suggested tip at the bottom. And so you will hold on to the hundred, and God was saying, it's your choice. And we, watch this. You know why we do that? Because we don't believe the statement I'm about to make. There are more hundred-dollar bills in circulation than there are one-dollar bills. Now, let me poll the room. How many of you believe that? Put your hand up. How many of you say, ain't no way that could be true? Come on, call me a lie. It's, it's okay. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Let me tell you why. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's okay. It's okay. But let me tell you this, you, do you know why you don't believe that? Because in your experience, you haven't seen it. You're on the wrong side of the economic line. But the people of God, when you see who God has called us to be, there is no way, watch this, we were called to eternal life, right? We were called to abundant life as well. We grab hold of the eternal and we ignore the abundant and don't realize they both come from the Lord. So let, watch this. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, I want to put that up there. Put it on the screen for me. Proverbs chapter 3, just verse 9, it says this. Shout the first word. Honor. Shout it again. Honor. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Now watch this. What we choose to do is appease the Lord. Not honor. The word, the, this word honor is the word kabed. K, or K, I think it's K-A-B-E-D. It's the word kabod comes from this word, but it's the word kabed. Check this out. The word literally means weight. It means glory. But interestingly enough, I struggle with this in a type of frustration because I was like, why use this word? And I was looking for the definition because the word can mean respect, and it does mean that. But here's, what the, here's the connotation. It's saying that whenever money touches your hand, there should, be, there should, become, there should come on your heart a concern. Why did God give this to me? I earned this money. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Understand something. There are people who made the same kind of decisions you made. That have absolutely nothing because of it. But you, God gave you a chance. God gave you a choice. God gave you a way out. God opened doors. God, God, God blessed you. So you keep getting work. No matter what happened on the last, your immaturity cost you, some, cost you some stuff. But God turned around and still blessed you. Right? But when you get stuff, you act like God didn't give it to you. We're so familiar with food that we will sit at a table and not pray. Come on, tell the truth. I, I'm, I'm guilty. It's like I pray all the time. First thing in the morning, throughout the day. I have a prayer time and a time of wisdom. I'm praying in tongues all day. So when I sit at the table, I, I, I've already prayed. And the Lord is like, but you didn't pray over this food that I provided for you. Because everybody ain't eating. Everybody is not eating. But we have lost track of our gratefulness because we've become so familiar with what God is doing. You're so familiar. Look at you. You look so good. Look at your clothes. You could, you're, so, you're so taken care of, right, that you could come to church bumming out because you want to. You don't dress. You don't bum out because you have to. You dress down because you can. 
But when it's time to flip it, you can flip it and walk in the room in your red bottoms. You can do what you got to do. Everybody can't do that. So for some people, it's not a fashion, man. This is what all I got. And I keep it in rotation. But you become so familiar with the goodness of God to you that when it comes, put it back up there. I want to show you, when it comes, when it, you don't do this anymore. You don't honor God with it anymore because it's now, now it's you now. I'm, I'm marketable. I have a whole PhD. I can work anywhere. I can teach in any university. I can do what I want to do because I will. But let me explain something to you. I have friends with similar degrees that can't find a job. That's working, that's working beneath what they're capable of making. They, they, they're working on jobs that they're ashamed of. Why? Because, because something went wrong in their lives. The Bible says you honor the Lord. You see this word substance? The, the word substance is a word. It's translated in some translations as well, but it means substance as in resources that I have now. Say that out loud. Say resources, resources. that I have now. <laughs> loud again. Say resources, resources that I have now. Here's what it says. It says, honor the Lord with what you have now. If I have a one, a five, a 10, a 20, a 50, and a hundred, and I want to, uh-uh, no, no, listen, I prefer to take the hundred and the 50. No, 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 I'm not telling you to do that. I'm trying to tell about me. Because I've seen too many times what he could do. What about the thing you got pending? Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Be careful of the covenant you make with Mr. Bill. Here's why. Because you make, you vow to Mr. Bill and, and literally, literally mortgage your future and Yahweh is waiting on you to honor him. You can't honor him because you've over obligated yourself to Mr. Bill. So can I tell you what turned it for me? So I was in a situation one time. I th- you've heard me tell the story probably. And um, I was in a situation I was, I was poor and, and I, I needed to get some things done. And so I came home one day, there was a disconnection notice on my door from the power company. They said, like, we're going to cut your power off if you don't pay. So it's like, cool. So I saw it, took it, took it off, and how do you know if, how many of you know if you hide it, it doesn't change it? Yeah. <laughs> so the next day I come home, no power. So I told my kids, hey, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And I was, in, in my heart of hearts, I was bothered because I chose instead to tithe. And when I went into prayer, the Lord gave me a strategy. I called the power company and I said to the person that answered the phone, I said, I need my power cut on because I used my money to take care of a pressing obligation that I had to take care of. What was the pressing obligation? The tithe. Because I knew if I gave them the money, They can't do nothing for me, but if I gave God his money. So the lady on the phone says, she said, here were her words. I don't know why I'm doing this. She said, I don't, she said, I don't know what I'm doing. She said, but, but I'm going to cut your, she said, when can you pay? I said, on Friday. She said, I don't know why I'm doing, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to cut your power on. She cut the power back on before I paid the bill. But the language that I used was, I have a pressing obligation that I had to take care of. Because you think, watch this, you think giving your money to the power company is, I just got to pay that bill. What do you think it is to honor God? He, he, he said, watch this, 
the, the idea, oh God, I'm so far off my notes. The idea of the tithe, argue for it or against it. I'm a new covenant believer, I don't have to tithe. The tithe was before the law. It was amplified and explained in the law, and the tithe remained after the law. The only difference is Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, here's what you need to understand about the curse of the law and the law of Karim. The law of Karim is not the curse of the law. How many of you need me to explain to you what the law of Karim is again? The law of Karim says, okay, I got to skip my notes. Give me, give me a second. They don't have this for the screen, but I got to do this. Listen to Exodus chapter 13 verses. Let me get a different translation so you could get this. Because sometimes King James is not doing it. Okay. Let me get a new living translation. Y'all still with me? Okay. I want, this is the law of Karim in Exodus 13 verse 1. New living translation. Here's what it says. Y'all here? Is this too deep for Sunday morning? Okay, good. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. He said, the Bible says, so Moses said to the people, so Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember. He goes on, he talks about all this. I want to see. Uh, he's talking about all this stuff. Then he goes down to, look on, on verse 8. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for, for me when I was in Egypt, or when we left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you, like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite the teachings. I'm keep going down. Um, I want to give you as much as I can. Okay, verse 13. Listen to this. God says, a firstborn donkey. Let me go back for, before that. Before that. Let me go to verse 12. You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. Literally, here's what he said. He didn't say, I want you to give them to me. He says what? They belong to me. God said, they're mine. Everything that, the first thing you get, God said, it's mine. I give it. I let you have it first because it was mine. Because God is operating the whole universe by principle. The principle of first things. And God says, so what I do, the first thing that comes out the womb belongs to me. I gave it to you for relationship. All the firstborn people in the room, raise your hand. Mm. So watch this. Uh, uh, when, when, you know when Jacob was dying? Jacob called his firstborn son. He said, you're the best of what I can do. Why did he say that? Because he's the first one to come out. Look at this in verse 13. I love this scripture. He said, a firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. Listen to this. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. The law of Karem is like this. Here's what God says. He says, if you don't want to give me what's mine, then kill the donkey. Everybody shout, kill the donkey. Shout, kill the donkey. Here's what God says. He said, first of all, he said, I don't want the donkey. Because he said, the donkey is yours. You need it for farming, right? He says, so if it's the firstborn donkey, you trade it out with a lamb, and we're good. You could use the donkey to do your work. I'll take the lamb for sacrifice. He said, but if you don't want to give me the donkey, you got to kill it. 
because you can't keep it. And if you try to keep it, I'll make sure it dies. This is the law of Corinth. You remember when, when you start looking at first things, I'm going to show you first fruits at work in stories that you didn't know there were first fruit stories. So Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah has another wife called, called Penina. Penina. Okay, Penina. If the Bible says every year they went to sacrifice according to the word of the Lord to offer their first fruits at, at Jerusalem. Get this story. The Bible says that every time that they will sacrifice, the meat from the sacrifice that's given back to them, he will give Penina more because she had children. Hannah will only get a little bit, and when she will weep, he will say to her, am I not better than ten sons? And she'll answer, like, no, I need a child. Okay, now get this. The Bible says she got to the point where one day they were eating the meal of the sacrifice. She got up and went back to the tabernacle. Eli is sitting at the gate of the tabernacle. She goes to pray, and while she's praying, Eli thinks she's drunk. He says to her, he said, woman, you're playing with God. She said, you don't understand what's going on. She tells him the story. But the Bible says she vowed a vow. Here was the vow. She said, the first child, she said, if you give me a son, I will give the child back to you. Here's the story you don't know. So Lady K is reading to me this morning from the book of 1 Samuel. And she, she come across the script. I said, whoa, read that again. What the question I want to ask you is, here's what we know. Hannah was barren, unable to conceive and deliver a child. Barrenness is not just about children. You could be barren in business. You could be barren in, you could be barren in relationships. Barrenness is a curse. It's not from God. Now, let me, now listen, listen. Follow me, follow me with this. She was barren. What did she do? She went to the Lord and she asked him for a child. But here's what she said. If you give me a child, I will give him back to you. Well, what good is it to have a child if you won't give him back to the Lord? You'd be in the same condition. No. Hannah understood something that we don't understand. She understood she just needed something from a harvest to give back to. She was trying to trigger the law of first fruits. So I want to ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many children did Baron Hannah have? Because you, you said, you, you said well, she didn't have a child. She was barren. Her womb can't produce, right? But when God gave her that son, she nurtured the son. And at one first fruit, she took him back to the Lord. When she took him back to the Lord, Eli the priest said to her, here's what his words. May the Lord give you more children what was he doing the priest was blessing her first fruit the bible says she ended up with how many children she, she ended up with five children but she was barren so how does a barren woman end up with five children by honoring the law of first fruits oh wait wait okay you don't believe that okay what about this one do me a favor i'm skipping all over the place I, i'm confusing them back then Put 1 Kings 8 on the screen. We're about to read a lot. Put 1 Kings on the screen. We're about to read. So this story here <laughs> is a story you know. And it troubled many of us, as a matter of fact. Now, let everybody look at me for a second. So do you ever read the Bible and think that what they require or what was required is foul? Like, did you, did you get confused when, when God killed Ananias and Sapphira? Sapphira, did, did you think it was extreme? I mean, I mean, they, they lied, but they ain't like they killed nobody, right? 
<laughs> so, check, so check this out. What about Elijah getting up from the brook Kerith after it dries up, going to Zarephath? The widow is trying to explain to him, we in a famine that you caused. You are the one to close up heaven, right? Watch this. He, so he says to her, well, make me something to eat because the Lord had told the prophet, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. Everybody, please, let's exercise the law of the mind, reason. If God, God said, I'd already told the widow to sustain you. So she was under commandment, right? But by the time he got to her, all she had was gone. Here's the question. If God tells me to do something, and by the time we get to the point to do the thing, my money is funny. Am I still required to be under the commandment? Wait, 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 wait. Because you have in your pocket a one, a five, a 10, a 20, a 50, and a 100, right? But the Lord has spoken to you before and says to you, this is what I want you, I want you to good. I want you to give, I want you to be a sower. But now you look at your money, that, that thing is coming due, I ain't got but so much. Who do we honor now? Watch this. It says, then the Lord said, thank you. I was looking for you to go to verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Zidon. Interestingly enough, he, he, his problem was, was uh, Jezebel. That's where Jezebel was from. That's a whole other teaching. God sent him to the place where Jezebel was from. You think you know the Lord? He has a crazy sense of humor. And, when, and watch this. God will pick a fight with someone. And they tell you, go, go live where they are. <laughs> Watch this. Here's what the Lord said. I've instructed a widow to, there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the, at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As, and the Bible says, as she was going to get it, he called her. Uh, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Water in a cup and a bite of bread. Look at the next verse. It says this. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was, I was going to gather a few sticks, cook the last meal, then my son and I were going to die. Having a pastor's heart, when I heard that story, I would have went, No. I can't let you do that. Matter of fact, here. Here. But the prophet, prophets see in black or white. As far as a prophet is concerned, it's either God or it's not. And God only acts for what he acts for because of what he plans to do. Watch this. The Bible says, he said this. Don't be afraid. The first thing you have to address when it comes to matters of changing your economical status is fear. You are so afraid that God has lost track of you, he doesn't know where you are. So God doesn't know what you have to do. So if I give God this money, he's going to disappear on me. No, it's a setup. I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's a setup. The Lord says, give him the car. Give him the car. That's all you mean, give him the car. What am I, what am I going to drive? I give, I give this guy the car. Next thing you know, the board calls me. Here's the rest of the story. The board says, pass this time for another car. 
They say, what do you want? And I said, already? They don't know God had told me to give this guy the car. I said, well, you know what I drive. Now I'm, now I'm spoiled. <laughs> they said, go back to the dealer that you bought from and call and tell us what it is that we're going to pay cash for it. Now, now, now we balling, okay? My ministry is blown up and, and, and I'm known. And watch this. I go to the dealership. Matter of fact, it, let me tell you how bougie I've become. Lord, help us. I've repented since then. I call, the, I call a broker. I said, I said, uh, I said this is Dr. Ramsey. Uh, I, I, I want to order next year's model of such and such a car, at fully loaded. I want, do you remember that it has screens in the back of the headrest? I want screens in the headrest. I was, I was, and the car was delivered, watch this, paid for cash. I started to see a principle. Now, here's what it spoke to me. Be careful of what you do now. Because all of a sudden, I was sowing so much that people were saying to me, you need to buy your Bentley. You need to buy your... And the Lord began to... My father and the Lord called me because a door opened for me to get a Rolls Royce. Same as the first Lexus. It was garaged in Panama City Beach, Florida. The, the owner had died. It was, it was in, the, in the garage. No one wanted to drive it. When she found out it was a church, she literally wanted to almost give it to us. I was trying to sell us a Rolls Royce, I think, for $65,000. They got excited and said, Pastor, you need to go get the car. At this time, we bought 5,000 members. And I called my father and the Lord because something didn't feel right. I said, Bishop, I can have an opportunity to get a Rolls Royce. Here's what he said to me. He said, Hart, does anyone else in your city drive a Rolls Royce? I said, no, sir. He said, it's not a good investment. I said, can you tell me why? He said, don't forget your purpose. God has given you all this stuff, not because, watch this. He said, I came to your house. He said, Hart, you still live in a humble home. He said, that means your heart is not lifted up before the Lord. He said, guard your heart. This is a test. God was testing me with a car. He was testing me with a car. And when I said to them, I don't want the car, they said, why? I said, no one is in the city has one, and the people are watching us. This is a working class town. After that, the Lord says to me, here's what I want you to do. You're going to start a church down here. You will need a helicopter. All of a sudden, God started to do things that, were, uh, that pertain to my purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he sent a builder, and said, uh, the, the, uh, the agreement was, to add on to the house I had. For a third of the cost, this builder helped build out the house that I had. Watch this. And God was showing me, now that I'm favored financially, I have to become a steward. Watch this. I'm, I'm all over the place. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Everybody said those words. When it comes to trusting God with your finances, you got to settle the fear issue. Settle the fear issue. Now, I'm going to warn you about something. You would go through that, those denominations in your pocket and say, I'm going to give God the hundred and walk out of here feeling good. And time you drive down the road, depression will hit you. What did I just, you're going to have sore's remorse. I'm going back to the church for my money. You, no, you can't get it back. Anybody ever went through that? Come on. You know you went through that. I, I've given this. A, I remember one time I sold $25,000, man. And after the service, I was like, what did you just do? You got caught up in the moment. The hype got you. Watch this. So you settle the fear and you understand that as soon as you give the money, 
the enemy is going to come to you and try to, because what he's going after is this, because watch this, God, the same way God uses faith, the enemy uses fear. If you fear, he will come. You got it? Now watch this. Don't be afraid. Here's what Elijah said. Watch this. He said, go ahead and do just what you've said, but do exactly what you need to do. But, as we said, read that last clause. What does it say? But what? What's that last word? What's the word? Shout it again. He said, before you do, he said, go do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Because obviously you forgot what God told you to do. So do what you want to do. But bake a cake for me. Notice he didn't say bake a cake and give me some. He didn't say, why did he use, he used the word first because he was establishing for her that the, we're going to activate the principle of first fruit right now for you. You're in a bad situation. God told you what to do. This is the way God wants to move, but you can't do it because number one, you're in fear. Number two, you're, you're out of resources. He says, so what you need to do in this moment is activate the principle of first fruits. So she went into the house and she, she took the stuff out. And the Bible says she baked the cake. Matter of fact, go, go to the rest of it. I want to show what the prophet said. Give me some more. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel. This is, remember the word Lord? This is what Yahweh, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord Yahweh sends rain and the crops grow again. Remember the crops, the crops, the crops. He said, what I'm going to do is you give me first fruit, I'm going to take care of your crops. You give me first fruit, I take care of your harvest. Give me first fruit, I take care of your... You give me first fruit, I'll take care of your harvest. You give me first fruit, I'm going to... Come on, you give me first fruit, I'm going to... You give me first fruit, I'm going to... Come on, we're doing call and response. You all act like a black church. <laughs> you give me first fruit, I will. Take care of your harvest. He says this. Watch this. Your containers will have flour and olive oil until I send rain again. I'll take care of your crops. I'll make them until the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat. For many days, there was always. There, there was always enough. Shout always enough. Listen, you, 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 you got folk threatening you. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'll, take, I'll fire you. Have no, you, I will have nothing. You don't know who I serve. What you... What you don't understand, I don't depend on you because your name is on my paycheck does not mean you own me. Because your name is on my, listen, your name could be on my paycheck, but I belong to Yahweh. He can take, I saw first fruit, he will fire you and give me your position. Don't play. Do not play with me. All I got to do is go bend my knee in early in the morning to Yahweh, he'll give me your job. You playing games. <laughs> You're playing games. Watch. Woo. Somebody give him a praise right here. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. 
All right. So, so today's message was supposed to be called the blessing of the first fruit. Pastor Jadarian, we didn't get to it again. This is the second time we tried it. Actually, we tried it last week and then Tuesday night. And then... So I'm going to tell you something. So, so I'm going to share something. I, when, I, when I came up to do this and the Lord was clear about the direction of what we're doing in you know, we have in Alabama, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six buildings and a patch of land. And I'm like, why are we doing this again? Why am I having to do this again? Let, get somebody else to do it. No. <laughs> and the Lord said, because what you have, what I've given to you, you have to give to them. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, and, and young, it makes no difference whether you're young or you're old, but I'm going to tell you something that's important, is that nothing trumps experience with God. Experience with God. The, as a matter of fact, the way, God, the way God influences and affects your belief system is, number one, through repetitious information. God will say the same thing over and over again until you get it. Number two, through the voice of significant others. Someone you trust will say to you, and it strikes you in your spirit. Number three, it's through uh, environment. God will put you in an environment of faith, so faith will get on the inside of you. Number four, it's through experience. So it's not just about the word. It has to be about manifestation, demonstration. We're about to buy a building. No, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Those of you who are visiting, you're going, you're going well. He ain't this building, no, we renting. <laughs> and, the, and we have had a good experience here. Yes. But what God wants to do, you need your own address. So what I'm doing, this is like the pregame show. I'm giving you the information you need in the first week of March, we coming to sow. If you're watching online and you're a partner, I know that some of you are excited. We got some calls saying, Pastor, I want to sow. Keep that same energy we, because we're we about to sow. You know, right before this, uh, before uh, we were given this mandate from the Lord, uh, my personal finance, I was using money to do this and do that, taking care of this, taking care of that, and my finances was depleting. I'm like, God, what are we doing? It, but I've committed to God, me personally, heart, Ramsey, that I need to sow a significant seed. I do. And I want to challenge anyone that can. Not today. This is not the day to sow. The day to sow is coming. But I want you to understand something. I, I, I want to keep saying this. We do not play money games. God does not play about his people. God does not play. Now, I want to say something to you. You can't look at a preacher and go, well, he driving. No, 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 no. You don't know how he got that. You don't know his history with God. Right? Now, there's some people you look at, you know exactly how they got it. But that's between them and God. But when it comes to God's people, I don't do that. I can't do that. I don't have a leader that has that mindset. But we're going to corral the forces of this house. And we're going to sow our best seed. Same sacrifice, different gift. And we're going to get us a space.
a Rehoboth. My prayer for you, those of you who have been walking with God for a while, is that every well, every well in your life that was closed up through neglect, through sin, through hatred, people hating you, every well that the enemy threw dirt on, every, every creative avenue that you had that it seemed like it didn't work, so now you lost your passion for it. I speak over your life and I say this concerning you, that it's not over for you. It can't be over for you because if it's over for you, then the people you were supposed to reach will have no access and we need you activated now. So I speak to every well in you. I command the wells to begin to flow, not just to flow, to gush. I command the wells in your life to open up to open up and all every tributary go in various directions by the word of the Lord. I declare over this people, we are different people. Shout, we are different people. That's not a shout, but it's okay. Say, we are different people. We are, diff- we are holy people. Say that. We are ho- we, listen, the Bible says concerning you, we are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are peculiar people. We, we are called. Matter of fact, I didn't get to today, but you, do you know that whenever God, I'm going to teach on this later on, whenever God wants to activate anything in the earth, he gives a first fruit? Do you know that the Bible calls Jesus the first fruit? He wanted resurrected sons and daughters, so God sold Jesus as the first fruit. Do you know the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the first fruit? The first fruit of our salvation? So all the fruit of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, that's only the first part of it. Do you know that the Bible calls us believers? In James chapter 1, I think verse 17, he calls us the first fruit of the earth. Everybody shout, I am a first fruit. You are. And so what God is going to do through you. It's going to shake the table in this city. Whatever locale we end up in, starting there as ground zero, it will become the Goshen of God. I just said something, but you don't know what I just said. Wherever we are, it's going to become the Goshen of God. Well, no matter what's happening around us, it won't happen to us. God will make things happen through us. I declare that over my own life. If you don't want it, I want it. I want it for you. I want, it for, I want it for my wife. I want it for everything that pertains to us. I declare over your life that there's no way you can keep failing when you belong to God. I speak over you in the name of Jesus. That that thing that died on the inside of you begin to resurrect. You will feel it beating again, kicking again, stirring again. There's no way the enemy can shut down what God wants to do in your life because you don't belong to him. Yahweh is your God.